Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy here with my first cup of coffee. Today is Monday, February 11th. A little bit chilly here in Santa Fe this morning. Oh, well, actually not that bad. It's only, I mean, it's 35, so it's not even freezing. But there's a wet and chill feel to the air because we're going to get some snow today. Some neat clouds over the mountains. I took a picture, although I couldn't quite get the cotton candy pink with my phone. I might actually use a filter to try to capture how it actually looked, which I don't often do, but uh, I should have gotten out my real camera because it was such a pretty color. I am unexpectedly snotty this morning. <laughs> not that I'm not always kind of snotty, but uh, in this t- case, literally snotty. I slept a unusually long time last night and uh, woke up this morning with a head full of mucus, which is totally what I get for going out among people, right? <laughs> I did go to my Lyra meeting on Saturday, met the fabulous Katie Lane for brunch beforehand, and we had good conversations about life and writing and and so forth. And then I went to the meeting and it wasn't terribly eventful. I didn't stay out late. (laughs) came home yesterday I uh, got the house clean towels washed all that and uh, took care of a lot of business I'm very happy because I really whittled down my business list I spent a great deal of time uh, doing a project for agent Sarah she had asked me to scan in all my contracts for books uh from my previous two agents so that she can look into rights reversions for me. So those are important to do. And also uh, to do things like, um, you know, try to sell the audio rights and the foreign rights. She calls it found money uh, because it's, you know, I don't have to write new books for it. So I used a, um, my scanner, is kind of a pain, especially because I don't want to pay Adobe to use, to make their PDFs, which, you know, I suppose it's only fair if I do, but I just don't want to. I don't use it enough. And uh, my printer scanner no longer functions as a printer. The inkjets are hopelessly clogged. So I've kept it as a scanner, and now I don't have the software that works for it. I might just get rid of the thing because, it turns out, uh, I could use a scanning app on my phone. Probably you kids all knew about this, but I've discovered that I am not a super early adopter, but that I am a reasonably early adopter. So even though I don't know things that the really hip people know, I usually do know things that, you know, more than, I'm like at the... I don't know, the 20% or 30%. 
So I'm going to tell you what this app is because I ended up having to do some research. The first app I tried didn't work with a darn, as my grandmother would say. So I ended up going with Clear Scanner. I'll put that in the podcast notes. Um, the, and Clear Scanner was amazing. You guys, technology, huh? <laughs> I could just use my phone to take a picture of a page of the contract. And then that gives me an option to adjust it a little bit. And then it translated it. And you would not believe the clarity with which it did this translation. And we translate it into uh, the document. And I could do as many pages as I want. And then I could save the document to Dropbox. And then I just pulled it up from Dropbox and moved it over to a shared Dropbox folder I have with Sarah. And now she has copies of all of my contracts. It's amazing. She had also asked me to uh, give her uh, Word documents and cover images of all of my self-published books for the same reason. So that was something that had been lurking on my list for a while. And I mean, I just took a lot of, you know, it was kind of busy work. I started some of it during the Lyra meeting on Saturday. Uh, we had a speaker on overcoming writer's block, which, yeah, you guys are all like raising your eyebrows at this point because you're like, yeah, Jeffy went to a program on uh, getting rid of overcoming writer's block when she doesn't believe that writer's block exists. <laughs> uh which is not precisely true. I do think that some people struggle with uh, issues. And this gal put it in terms of getting stuck, not writer's block, which I did think was a positive. But, you know, frankly, I go to the meeting because I enjoy seeing everybody. And I like hearing the updates. And I like, uh, yeah, it's uh, rejuvenating for me to get to see people. The program doesn't always, this particular program was not uh, at all interesting to me. Uh, yeah, it was just, um, I did like that she talked about it as getting stuck instead of being blocked. But overall, it was a little too, a little too touchy-feely for me. You know, she talked a lot about, you know, that, it's you know it's just that you're putting expectations on yourself and that everybody needs to be feel loved and you know it's not stuff that's necessarily wrong but i didn't find it very appropriate for a professional writers meeting uh, you know there are i think some people in the group got some stuff out of it so that's good but you know overall you know, when she's saying things to us, um, you know, like talking about writing and then versus our real life. And the girl I was sitting next to is also a full-time writer. And we we're kind of looking at each other and going, writing is our real life. It is our career. It's how we, you know, it's how we pay the mortgage, hopefully. <laughs> it's... um you know, it's not something that you divide out. And I do think sometimes, 
she was coming almost um, from a more literary side, and they tend to be what I think of as more precious about their art, um, you know, and sort of thrash about it. And I think um, one thing I like about genre writers is genre writers are like, you know, you, you tell the story. And this girl did um, say, well, you know, and all of this goes out, you know, when you have deadlines, she understands if you have deadlines. But the whole point, really the entire point of people who have problems with writer's block. And and I'll say, um, I'll mention Dorinda here because I think she would very openly talk about this. I've heard her talk about this at signings and so forth, you know, that she has uh, a terrible time with getting, with being blocked. You know, she'll work and work on her uh, outlines and she has this uh, terrible cycle of procrastination until she ends up writing all of the book at once in a very short period of time, which is very hard on her and it's um, incredibly stressful for her. And she would love to find a way to, you know, she misses her deadlines by a lot, uh, but she's forever laboring under the deadline. So, you know, this isn't a be kind to yourself thing necessarily. It's very hard on her, but she needs um, very specific tools for, trying to get herself to produce on the schedule that she needs to. And she wasn't there at the meeting because she was sick. I would blame her for my snottiness this morning, only I didn't actually see her. I only texted with her. Maybe she sent me her virus over text. I am taking a lot of vitamin C. We'll see if that hopefully knocks this out early, whatever it is. So, anyway... Uh, it was overall a productive weekend and I got my things done that I needed to do. We finished watching uh, Bohemian Rhapsody on Friday evening. You know, we only watched part of it Thursday night because David fell asleep. So then we watched the second half and uh, I really, it was really a very well done movie. They took, um, as they always do, dramatic license on a whole lot of stuff. Um, and so some of the most dramatic beats of the movie uh, did not, in fact, happen in real life, which I always find kind of interesting. It's like, oh, real life wasn't uh, didn't make for a good enough movie. But, you know, they have gotten a nominee for Best Picture, so that tells you something. But uh, I was reflecting that being a child of the 80s, as I am, uh, the song We Are the Champions was co-opted so early in my life to being a sports team anthem that I've really never paid the song much attention. Uh, and you guys know it, you know, we are the champions, we are the champions, no time for losers. Um, and I, yeah, I've, I totally associate it with arenas and high school pep rallies. You know, kill me now. And so listening to the Live Aid concert and his live version of that, and after we turned off the movie, we uh, put on the YouTube, a YouTube 
recording of the actual Queen Live Aid performance. And they really did do, uh, the producers of the movie did an incredible reproduction of making it almost exactly movement for movement like that Live Aid performance. But I had never really paid attention to the lyrics of that song. And it's too bad because it really is a moving song and it does capture so much of what it's like to uh, to be creative, to be an artist and to be selling your art and the, the fame and the notoriety and the fortune that comes with it. I don't know about all of those things, but I know about some of them. <laughs> yeah. And I, I liked that it was a song about, you know, overcoming otherness. I thought that was an interesting theme of the movie that uh, Freddie Mercury, they brought it out a number of times that, you know, this happens with creative people, that they very often are not uh, the the popular people. They are often not the mainstream person. The, the thing that makes a person creative is often the thing that also separates them from the herd, that makes them weird and not always um, not always beloved by their peers. Their art may be beloved, but the person is not necessarily. And so I thought uh, that being instead an anthem to individuality, to otherness, um, the No Time for Losers is really about the, you know, we shall keep fighting till the end. Really, I really like that message of that movie and of that song. And I like that the movie changed my idea of what that song was about. We shall take it back. I think it's no longer hip anyway to me not being somebody who often goes to sports events. Certainly not in my, now that I have more of a choice, it seems like a, as a teenager and college citizen, you are more often forced into sports events where you are expected to be enthusiastic about them. Uh, whereas later in life, you can, you know, like just not leave your house. And, <laughs> and of course, we just never watch sports things on TV because neither of us are into it. So I'm trying to think of what else I have to tell you guys. I guess I could wrap back around to the idea of writer's block and why I don't believe in it. I know I talk about it um, at various times, and it's it's not that I don't believe in it. Um, I don't have a particular problem with it. So to me, it's not a real thing. Uh, and I have mentioned a number of times that I think for many people, writer's block has to do with um greater issues like depression. I think if you're struggling with depression or you have other sorts of emotional or chemical imbalances, then it's it's very difficult to be creative. I'm also a proponent of Maslow's Pyramid of Needs, and I believe very strongly that you have to handle the bottom part of the pyramid before you can uh, 
handle the upper part. And that means that you have to have those things like um, the very base of the pyramid are physical needs, food and shelter and safety. And then you need to have belonging. You need to feel loved. You need to feel like you are okay. And as you move up the pyramid, then self-actualization, art, beauty, creativity, those things come in. And I think it's very difficult to be creative unless you have those lower things handled, which goes totally against the whole idea of the starving artist. You know, there's the idea that somebody can be uh, dramatically living in the Garrett, where they're slowly starving or freezing to death or doing massive amounts of alcohol or some drug and still producing a wild creative work. But the reality of that is that those are the exceptions and that's why they make for interesting stories and very often are followed by the artist's death. So (laughs) what we're looking for is a way to be creative and be a healthy living human being, right? This would be the ideal So, for me, yeah, I don't really get stuck because I keep writing. And that's part of my process. My process is to stop me from being stuck. And you guys know from listening to this that sometimes I do go slowly. I don't go really slowly. But I always keep going. And I always write And I think that a whole lot of what people feel like is blocking or being blocked is not getting to the point where they just write, where they let so many things get in the way of just putting words on the page. You know, it's that dread and procrastination. And that, I think, is a real thing. I think it's not writer's block. I think it's dread and procrastination. And as soon as you start letting that kick in, then it builds. It's one of those things that um, just like layer by layer by layer. And so I think you have to set up a writing habit. That's why I'm a huge proponent of building the writing habit. Because if you're in the habit of writing every day anyway, then it's much easier to just let the habit carry you through that layer of dread and procrastination. And it's like one of those things that's like, um, you know, letting a pond freeze over. Like over the weekend on Monday morning, it might feel like uh, a little bit harder if you haven't been writing all weekend like I do. So you have to break through that little thin layer of ice that's formed on the surface. You know, a little thin layer of dread and procrastination. But if you let it go for days, that layer of ice gets thicker and thicker and thicker until when you finally... Get, you know, and this is where I think of Dorinda, you know, where she's so far behind deadline and, and she'll feel so stressed that she finally has to, you know, hack her way, you know, basically get out a hatchet and just stand out there and hack her way through the layers until she can get to it. And then when she starts writing, she can write and it'll flow. And she's a wonderful writer. She writes wonderful books. So in some ways, the process works for her. But in other ways, um, It doesn't because it causes her so much personal unhappiness. So those are my thoughts on writer's block. And I need to find a better way to explain that I don't think, that I don't think it's real. I don't think that um, the phrase 
writer's block is meaningful. I think it's um, a a rather damaging shorthand phrase for um, what could be several things going on. I think that's why it can be um, damaging because you're skipping over what it is actually that's going on. And that, that might be the very first step is to identify what it is exactly that's getting in the way of um, producing words on a regular healthy basis, right? That's what we want to do. So speaking of, I'm going to go do mine. Hope you all have a fabulous Monday and I will talk to you all, excuse me, tomorrow (laughs) when I will be cold free, right? No, we'll kick this virus today. Uh, Talk to you all then. Bye-bye.